Welcome to another episode of the Cool Tool Show and Tell. Our special guest this week is Asa Hillis. Asa, would you introduce yourself to... Yep. Uh, hi. Hi, Kevin. Uh, my name is Asa Hillis, as you said. I'm a furniture maker based in uh, Silicon Valley. Um, I specialize in woodworking and metalworking, and I strive to make pieces that are one-off and timeless and that I'll... Uh, that'll stand the test of time. And you are speak to us from your workshop. Yep, I'm, this is behind the tech labs. Uh, it's a shop I manage in Los Gatos. Okay. And for those who are seeing things, it looks like a really cool shop with some hand planes in the back and a drill press. So yep. I'm sure you'll have some really great tools for us, Isa. So, uh, so, so tell us about one of your favorite tools, number one on the list. Okay, number one on my list is this. It's a Wixie digital angle gauge. Uh, it's a pretty small piece. It's about two and three eighths by two and three eighths by one inch. Right. Um, you can get it on Amazon right now for around twenty eight dollars. Right. Um, and it does one simple thing, and it is tell you an angle. So, this uh, Wixie gauge lives on my table saw, so I can put my blade to whatever angle I want easily. Right. So I can go ahead, turn it on, zero it off to the cast iron of the table saw. And then when I tilt the blade, it reads out. Right. And it's got a fairly good accuracy of, uh, let's see, a tenth of a percent. Wow. Or a tenth of a degree. Tenth of a degree. So, okay. yeah. A degree. Yeah. And it doesn't have a magnet on the bottom? Yes, yeah, so it does have a magnet, so it works well with any cast iron, any steel in your shop. Right, right. Um, if you want to use it on something that isn't steel or magnetic, you can use double stick tape, or right. you can do a cool trick with uh, two pieces of blue tape and some super glue. Right. So in essence, it can turn anything uh, or add a digital readout to anything right, in the right. shop. Yeah. So I could imagine like if you're trying to cut something at an angle, um, that would be useful, but uh, are there other use cases that you find yourself using this thing so, for, besides, say, cutting a blade or cutting a piece of stock at a, at a slight angle? Yeah, there's a, a lot of different ones. Um, so the primary use, as I said, is cutting angles on the table saw. Right. But if I want to sharpen a gouge on a bench shop grinder, I can go ahead and magnetize it to my gouge and set whatever angle I want and visually keep it or even set up a jig. And I know exactly what angle that is without right. having to fuss with um, any other kind of gauge to say what angle it is to a round object. Okay, that's cool. All right. It could so get pretty complicated. For sharpening then, sharpening, yeah. Right. And you can use it to sharpen hand plane uh, blades as well. You just magnetize it to the blade, set your angle. You make a simple block jig that holds it at that angle you've set mm -hmm. and go to town on your uh, honing stones. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. And um, this one that you're suggesting, are are there others that are similar and this is just superior? Or is this sort of a case where there's lots of um, generic ones out there about all about the same? I wouldn't say this one's superior. I would say they're all about the same. Okay. Um, they're all around the $30 range. They're all around the same, uh, same, uh, accuracy level. I'm sure you could find one that's far more expensive that has right. a better accuracy, but for my needs in the shop, it's perfectly fine. Right. When I do set 
my blade on the table saw, say I want to do a 45 degree angle, I'll set my uh, degree to, or my angle to 45 degrees with a Wixi, do a test cut, flip that test cut, and then measure it for square. And by flipping it, you magnify any error in your cut. So you can tell, okay, I'm really close to 45 degrees. It says 45 degrees, but I need to adjust, adjust it by a hair. Mm-hmm. So you can get really close and then fine tune it. Right. And um, are there any other tricks that you've learned in using um, one of these um, over time? You just mentioned one, which is like flipping it. Um, right. So um, in the old days, how did they do it? And 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 also, I was just wondering if you have any idea how the actual gizmo works. Yeah, it's got a capacitive rotary encoder inside of it with a pendulum. Okay, so it's something yeah. hanging down. Something's physically hanging down, and it's measuring the tilt angle. Does that make it sort of uh, sensitive to being dropped yep. and stuff? Okay. Sensitive to being dropped, uh, sensitive to moisture. Um, so, yeah, it does have some limitations there, but it's it's nice that you can re-zero it. Okay. I've, gone through about two or three of them over the years they they do have a shelf life okay in terms of just getting banged around or getting banged around i uh had one uh below my table saw when i tilted the blade somehow it got pinched between the uh the um wheel on the table saw and that one was toast so you find a way to to break them occasionally okay and going back your question about in the old days before you had this how would you do it um you would use something called a bevel gauge which is two parallel pieces of metal that have a point that they rotate against so you can uh, adjust whatever angle put it up against something and say okay this is that angle and you can go and reference it with a protractor or something of that sort right okay so you'd have to Measure to a reference. Um, yeah. Not at all as easy as, as this little digital readout, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so uh, that's a really great, it's a great tool. Um, uh, I can see why that would be really handy. Um, so Asa, what's, what's um, a second um, tool that you um, really, really like? So my second tool is my Surge Leatherman. This okay. uh, here... It's a, one of the biggest ones they offer. I think there's two that are around the same size. It weighs about three quarters of a pound. It's pretty hefty. Uh, four and a half inches by three and uh, three qu- by one and three quarters by about three quarters of an inch. Right. So you, you feel it in your pocket. You feel it on your belt. Um, and this one, it's pricey. It's about $150, mm-hmm. but you'll have it for a long time and uh right <laughs> and leatherman uh yeah unless you lose it and uh leatherman uh, offers an awesome 25 year warranty which i've taken advantage of too so right. something breaks you just send it to them and uh they'll fix it and send it right back your way or so replace they actually, it they actually fix not. it rather than replace it they'll just fix it yep there if i recall correctly on the website there was a little uh a button you can push that says if they can't fix it, send back the ni- the same knife. Because right. a lot of people develop a, kind of a, a love of their, their right, tools. Right. It's sentimental. So this this Leatherman is like lots of Leathermans. It has a folding 
legs, two folding legs that form the handle for a pliers. And, um, right. but it's, it's, I, I've seen a lot of the ones these days where they're trying to make them as small as possible. You're, this goes right, right. making as big as possible. Why are you gravitating to one that's as big as possible? Two reasons why I really, really like this one. Uh, the main reason is it's got interchangeable bits. So here you can change a bit, you can rotate it. And then I also have a full collection of all the other bits I could uh, right. need, like a T6 bit or square drive bit. Right. What you're showing is that the end of the handle is a little flip up socket that mm -hmm. holds a, like a driver bit, you know, like a right. or flat head right. or Torx. And then you can swap out. So you can use it like a screwdriver. A regular screwdriver. And then also they offer an extension shaft that uh, fits into this rectangle rear right. slot. And then on the end of the shaft, you can use the same bits that come with it. Right, right. Or it also works with traditional right. quarter inch bits. So but, in that case, you open up the world of right. all the bits. But, but you are sitting in a workshop where you must have dozens of screwdrivers all around you what what's the advantage of having this multi-tool if i'm working on something and i'm doing a lot of square drive uh, uh screws and i'll put a square drive bit in there keep it in my pocket say i'm underneath a piece of furniture and i want to tighten a screw i don't have to get up go find my screwdriver i've got it right on my pocket um so that's a a primary thing. Uh, another thing that's awesome about this particular one is it's got interchangeable blades. So it's a just a regular jigsaw blade mm -hmm. that can pop into here. So you don't have to worry about being precious with your, your blade. It's not integrated into the tool. So I use this for wood. I used it for drywall projects. And as soon as it gets dull, I can just pop it out and swap it, and I'm good to go. Okay. So there's there's still some drywall residue on this right now. <laughs> um, and do you – there seem to be two philosophies about Leatherman's and big multi-tools like this. Mm -hmm. You're either a pocket or in a case. Something yeah. like this is in your pocket. You're going to notice it. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I normally keep it – in a leather case on my uh, my belt. Built, right. um, the reason why I use leather is uh, when I get into the car, this is pretty bulky. So I like to remove it from the uh, leather pouch and put it in the console, and I don't know it's there. They do make other sheets that are quick sheets that you can just, it's a metal box that it's stored into, and you can just slide it right out, mm -hmm. which is great. But once you sit down, you you feel that on your side. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So 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 something like this big is you really can't carry it in your pocket. You, you really should have it sheath somewhere. Yeah, it's a it's a commitment to carry. Right. Um, right. Yeah, and you wouldn't want this bouncing around in your pocket with your uh, your cell phone. Your yeah. your screen will end up cracked. <laughs> so, uh, not to mention your pocket will just wear through and it'll slip out. Oh yeah, for sure, for um, sure. So, um, um, so, 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 like when you go into your workshop, you gear up with this. You have this at your side mm -hmm. as a kind yeah. of something that's immediate at hand, rather than to actually even walk over to get a, a pliers or whatever. Yep, yeah. yeah. Um, 
and as you said, I've got my pliers on here. It's needle nose. It's uh, got wire cutters in there. It's got a solid wire cutter, stranded wire cutter, crimper. So I've got every type of plier uh, okay. cutter I would want on that head. Um, great for pulling staples. Great for stripping a little wire if you're redoing outlet or something. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah. Okay. And it's got uh, one hand open, which is great. Uh, a lot of these knives aren't one-handed. It's difficult to open it up and even more difficult to uh, press the little button to unlock the blade to close it back down. And being able to just reach out, grab your knife, flip the blade with one hand is something that's really nice to have. Right. Um, and um, and are those knife blades also changeable? Um, I've never changed one out. They're, the whole thing is screwed together with safety screws. So I assume if you felt so inclined, you could uh, take it out and uh, replace it. Um, or if you broke it, like say if you broke it. Or if you broke it. Yeah. I think if you broke it, it might be covered under the warranty. I see. Or you send it in to get it repaired. Um, yeah. But I wouldn't see why you couldn't take it apart. Okay. You certainly could sharpen it. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. So uh, I will add, though, that the wire strippers, uh, wire cutter, are easily removed with an Allen key. So if that part gets uh, gets broken somehow, it's easy to change. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this is really not like a pocket knife. This is really literally like a multi-tool that's uh, yeah. always near you. Yeah, and I, I keep a, a little pocket knife uh, as well that's great mm. for cutting open little boxes and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and there are times where this doesn't live in on my side constantly because it is a commitment to carry. Mm -hmm. But if I know I'm going to be really productive that day and, mm -hmm. and potentially need a couple of tools on here, I'll definitely wear it. Cool. Okay. And, and remind me again the name of this particular tool. It's a Surge Leatherman. Surge. And, yep. S-U-R-G-E. Mm -hmm. And this particular model I have is the black one. And it's held up really well. I think I've had it for about five years, and it looks pretty much new. Right. Actually, has a nice worn edges look to it. Yep. Patina. Yep. Um, well, thank you. That's really great. Okay, so that's tool number two. So what's your third in your lineup of um, favorite? So I'm progressively going up from uh, tools and price. So this is a big jump here. We're going to the Festool Domino, <laughs> which this here is a $1,200 tool, yes. but it's worth every penny if you're a furniture maker. Okay. So this so, does... So, so you're holding up something that looks like, uh, well, you can hold it in one hand as a contraption, probably at least yep. a foot high and maybe seven, eight inches wide with lots of yep. things going on. And um, it's for joining um, things, as you'll explain. Right. So the primary use is it bores a slot where you can put these dominoes in. So it makes a mortise and tendoning joint. Right. And, and the domino matter. is like a little wooden oval diameter thing. It's kind of like a wooden, how would you say, a wooden slot? Uh, and uh, oval uh, dowel. In it's a, a dowel. Yeah, it's a flattened it's, dowel. Yeah. So 
and they make them in a bunch of different sizes. Uh, like here, here's a big one. This is not for this particular domino. It's for its big brother. Uh, and then it can go down to things as fine as this, which is uh, four millimeters by 20 millimeters. Right. So it's like a little. So, yeah. Quite tiny. Quite yeah. Um, so as I said, the uh, primary use is to make mortise and tenons. So for instance, here, I've got a mortise and tenon. I put a slot on the end of one of the pieces and a slot on the side of one, put the uh, domino in it. And then when I attach the pieces together, it creates a super strong joint. Right, which you glue. You glue um, all Correct. the pieces. Yeah. Correct. Um, theoretically, you couldn't do this joint without something there, whether it's a dowel, a screw, a regular mortise and tenon. Because when you're gluing end grain to side grain, uh, the glue tends to soak into the end grain like it's a, a bunch of straws. So your joint becomes very weak very quickly. But if you put a mortise and tenon there, it becomes super strong because you have a lot of uh, side glue surface. Right. Yeah. Um, and they make uh, attachments for it. So you can do mortise and tenons into dowels, which is not something that's very easy to do by hand mm -hmm. with a, with right. a drill and a chisel. Um, and it takes a matter of seconds to and, and make. But um, there are a number of other mortises and this looks like when it's a cordless if i'm not mistaken it's corded, it's um, corded. okay well they, it is corded they make a number of others um but the festools are known for being much more expensive so what is yep. the what is the superiority of of this brand i believe they have patented this domino system i see so something that's very similar would be um a biscuit joiner Mm -hmm. which does a single oval biscuit. They tend to be pretty thin, uh, maybe most eighth of an inch. And those are great for joining pieces of wood side by side, uh, such as plywood. Um, but they're not incredibly strong. Mm -hmm. uh, if you were to give a lot of side force, it would probably snap. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't seen any other tools on the market that do a floating mortise and tenon quite like this. And you, and you just use the word floating. And what does that mean? Floating means that there's a hole on either side and then the piece of wood, the domino goes uh -huh. into each of the sides and it's technically floating within that joint. So you have the uh, ability to move it around. It's not connected or made out of the wood of the actual piece. Oh, 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 oh I see. Versus yeah. you kind of carved out of the right of the piece itself, like you might by hand. I see. That's right. Um, okay. So um, why wouldn't you just use dowels? Dowels aren't the strongest joints um, because they don't really have side grain. Uh, they've got a very little bit and then it goes, uh, mm. well, they do have side grain. But most of it, half of the dowel is uh, on end grain, and the other half is on grain grain. It has a very little bit of side grain. Um, so that's the primary reason. And also the domino is incredibly easy. Mm -hmm. When you're drilling dowels, it's pretty easy to but put you your need hole. More, you need more than one to getting them lined up as a, as a problem. Yeah, for sure. 
um, it, you can drive yourself crazy trying to get them all lined up. And a nice thing that the domino does is it cuts different slot sizes. So here you have an adjuster that can go from uh, tight, which is, this is the tight one here. I would need a pair of pliers to get this out. This isn't glued in to the next one, which gives about an eighth inch of slop. So now I can move that and adjust that there and it'll be a strong joint, but I can adjust it while I'm gluing up. And I, if right. I'm off by a little bit, it won't matter. So it's kind of an eighth inch in one direction and it's still snug on the other. So it's snug with the thickness. Right. But the width is what is adjusted, which the snug of the thickness is you want that to be able to have the pieces within the same plane. Right. Um, and it's pretty easy to, to center the, uh, the cut on the piece of wood. But if it's slightly off center and you reference the, all your cuts from the same side, say the top side, if there's even an eighth of an inch difference, they're all going to be identical in the same location. I mean, if you're doing more than one, uh, a whole bunch, I see. Right. So if I was to show you this here, the if the domino was, say, almost right up to the top of this, this edge here, right. it wouldn't matter if I cut the uh, domino on this and reference the same top edge. So I'm not worried about that height as much with mm -hmm. referencing. So setup is super easy. There's a little slide on the side that you can set up your height and it becomes a, a stop or right. you can get rid of it and you can adjust it on your own. Um, but for instance, like 25 millimeters, three quarter, uh, one inch, I can know that that's going to put it around center of one inch. So, so, and do you reference that center by a measurement or do you actually lay it onto the work surface and it figures it out? So I lay, um, my first one, I normally measure off my piece of wood and I'll use a combination square and mark the end. Uh, a combo square is uh, pretty much a, a square surface with a ruler that slides back and forth. Mm -hmm. um, so I can slide it to say uh, for this three quarters of an inch, I'll slide it to three eighths of an inch, reference it to one side, mark it, flip it to the other side, and mark it, and I can see if there's any discrepancy. I know exactly where center is. And then with this here, with the domino, they conveniently put a little notch on the side that is dead center of the blade. So all I have to do is take my piece of wood and reference that line dead center there. So they make finding the height and the center super easy. Right, right, okay. So I hardly use this, uh, this little stop here. Um, it's useful for some things, but most of the time it's just as easy to go ahead and mark your, your piece with a combination square. Okay. Really great. So, so this is the Festool domino joiner or domino maker or whatever it's called. It's, this is called the domino DF 500. Mm -hmm. It's just referred to as the domino. Do they make more than one variety of it or is this, so yeah, this is the standard size, and right. then they make an XL, the DF700, okay. which I don't use it very frequently. We have it in the shop. Um, it would be used for making bed frames, mm -hmm. uh, really uh, beefy tables. Um, 
but most of the fine furniture that I make, uh, this will do the trick. And it's got interchangeable bits. So it's got a, a variety of different bits that are super easy to interchange. Mm-hmm. And the bit sizes go from five millimeters, six millimeters, eight millimeters, and 10 millimeters. And that's, so you have a large range of thickness. That, that's just to how many different thicknesses of the dominoes. Right. Which the thicker, the stronger it is. Right. right. And then if you don't want to be limited by the physical dominoes that they sell, I've made my own dominoes uh, with the table saw and a router table with just mm-hmm. a little quarter inch round over, and mm-hmm. it's perfect. So mm-hmm. I've needed ones that were two inches wide. So I could go ahead, make those, and then I'll just put multiple domino cuts next to each other. And yeah. I can make as long of a slot as I want. Right, right, right. Well, that's really great. Okay, well, that's um fantastic thing to know. I, I had never had a walkthrough on that before, so thank you. I appreciate that. That's Definitely. Um, I would say it's one of the the most used tools in furniture making, uh, at least in my shop. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a an amazing time saver. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could make a, a joint in 30 seconds where it might take an hour to do it uh, a traditional way. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're trying to make furniture uh, for, li- uh, for a living, it's definitely useful to be able right. to make a uh, a precise um, mortise and tenon within seconds. Right, right, right. Cool. Okay, great. So, Asa, your last tool, what do you have? My last tool is uh, we're going to look at the Shaper Origin. So this is the Shaper Origin. It's, uh, what is it, about the size of a, a toaster? Uh, yeah. For those Definitely listening, toaster or coffee maker. Yep, and, and um, it's got um, uh, some upright things, a clear front. There's a screen at the top. There's a screen. There's a little trim router, which happens right. to be made by Festool. Uh, they okay. uh, work with Shaper on the on the router part of this, so that's a definite plus. Um, so it basically looks like it is a router because it has kind of router handles on the side. It's a very smart router. Okay. So it's a handheld CNC, basically, which uh, this is $3,000, give or take, for the base unit. Um, and to be able to get a CNC for that price is is pretty amazing. And the accuracy on this is to a hundredth of an inch at least. Wow. Wow. So... <laughs> I think the other advantage is that you have kind of unlimited size that you can. Very true. So I can go ahead and cut something super duper small, uh, the size of a ring, or I can go ahead and do a a big inlay on a floor in a living room. Uh, So to have that wide range with a CNC is pretty amazing. And the way this works is it runs off of uh, this tape here, which kind of look like little dominoes. Right, right. And you so put yeah, out... So you're, you're holding up a roll of tape, and on the tape, the pattern of the tape, on one side is, looks like black and white dominoes or kind of like punch right. card stuff. Right. They form different patterns, these little... It forms different patterns, correct. So when you roll this out on 
your surface and then you can take your shaper and it's got an integrated camera and you record your surface and it can calculate, okay, I know where all these dots are and I know exactly where I am in the world now compared to these uh, or uh, where these dots are. So now that's useful for if you're going to do a one-off thing, you can go ahead, just lay it down, scan it, or you can make a template uh, that you use repetitively over the, at the shop. So for instance, take a piece of plywood, uh, make a little recess in it where you constantly change out pieces that you need to cut and then put the grid tape out and scan that one works uh, work area. And then it stores that within the shaper and then you can go back and access it. So you're not wasting tape over and over. Oh, so say I, I make boxes and I want to engrave all my boxes with my name on top. Um, I'll go ahead and make a jig that has the box top flush with the surface. I've had my grid tape out. The machine already knows it. I've got my signature stored in there. I can take my shape or put it there, pull up my uh, design and just go to town. and It'll be in the same spot every single time. Okay, cool. So you leave the tape up on the outside of the jig. Right. And that, and that keeps it oriented in the right place. That's right. really, really, that's very ingenious. So it um, is, but there is one. Uh, you have to be careful about cutting your tape too. So uh, if you remove all your, uh, your reference points, then you can start to get lost. But it does stop and it'll say, hey, we need we need more reference points. You can put down more tape, add to your scan, and continue going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. And um, so yes, so then I um, can you can you input it into a a a, a you can put it into a file like um, uh, I don't know what the file STL. Uh, it's a DXF, I believe. Um, I use Fusion 360, and they've got okay. a built-in plug-in for that. Okay. And when you want to send it to uh, Shaper, you could uh, – I think you can do it over the air. This is version uh, 2. I haven't played with it yet. We just got it in the other day. Okay. Um, or you can bring in the file with a USB stick, but it goes ahead and um, sets that file up for you directly out of Fusion. Um, okay. But I'm sure also some must have some standard – you know, suffix file form that, that I believe it's a DXF. Okay. Um, I'm almost a uh, hundred percent sure it's a DXF. Okay. Um, and so you, you take your file and you put it in there and then you, so, so the way I understand that it works is that instead of having a bunch of um, two, two axes and step motors moving the, um, the router where it wants to go, your hands are moving the router. You're kind of following something you're following. Are you looking at the screen to follow where you're going? Or so, what, what's happening there? Yes. So you, once you import your, uh, import your file to the sure. machine, there's also, you can design files directly on this machine. So okay. you can go ahead and put a circle down, a square down. You can draw a line from two points and connect it. So mm-hmm. you can do a lot physically on the machine. So. Once you have your design, uh, it projects it down onto the surface. So you kind of see what it looks like. 
and you're following a bunch of marching ants with this tool. Wait, wait. you say it actually projects it onto it or Not, it virtually? Virtually projects it through the screen. Okay, yeah. And it's got a, a bunch of uh, marching ants that you follow. It'll show you a feed direction that you should follow right. these lines in. And you go at a, you wouldn't go as fast as you would with a normal router, um, but you can go at a decent speed. You follow those marching ants as best as you can. And then the router is on a X and Y uh, axes um, rails where it can, yes. it could, uh, it accounts for your errors and right. makes the cut perfect. And if you happen to knock it or something, it auto retracts super quickly. Right, right. So you have to try to cut something right, right, that right. you don't want to cut. Right. Um, it's possible, but if you go slow enough, you're going to get a really good accurate cut. Right. Yeah. So it's sort of like, you know, if you were, if you were a superhuman and you could just take your, um, your router and follow a line, you wouldn't need this, but humans are not like that. And so this right. compensates for the natural variance in a human trying to do something by hand, follow a straight yeah. line, you can't really do it, but this could, this, this constantly autocorrects. Constantly autocorrects. It's pretty fun to watch it autocorrect. Uh, right. It's a, uh, it's, there's no other tool kind of like it that autocorrects your errors a segue. as you go. A segue. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that autocorrects you. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, amazing to to be able to do that and cut such a large variety of sizes yeah. and so what what is kind of the thickness that we're talking about i mean you have laser cutters which are right much less so, well you know, they're maybe about the same amount but they have they, they they're going to a quarter of an inch right what's the maximum when you go here i believe you can cut an inch and a quarter i don't know it off the top of my head um, definitely I go through three quarter inch plywood, I, an apple ply, which is a really dense plywood. Um, it has no problem with a quarter inch bit uh -huh. going through that. Uh, it takes a couple cuts. Um, oh, you, interesting. you reference the top, uh, so it knows where the ground plane is and then you can tell it, okay, with a, with a quarter inch bit, you want to go about an eighth of an inch. You don't want to push it too much. So it's a lot of multiple cuts. Isn't an inch, eighth inch deep each pass? Yeah. So for three quarters, that's a lot of passes. It's a lot of passes. You can push it a little more. Um, but if you're doing a full plunge cut, it's nice to be able to let the bit breathe a little bit and have a way to evacuate the chips without burning up the bit. Um, another thing is if you want to go and take a more aggressive cut right away, you can do so. And then come back uh, and then offset that cut slightly. So if it does have a little problem, you can go ahead and do a final cut that's exactly on your line. You say offset. So, so say I, I wanted to follow my line. I can say yeah. offset this by a 16th of an inch. Oh, so you, it leaves. Like, make a little wide. So you're, you're, right. you're proud so, by that much. Right. So it gives 16th of an inch uh, of. Um, space between the bit and where you want your final cut to be and then your last cut you can do a full three-quarter inch take off that 16th of an inch uh thick uh, right. piece of material all the way around and that won't give the bit any issue and, and you can actually tell it to then to to remove the offset right 
Ah, okay. I see. Gotcha. And you can offset as much as you uh, want with this thing. So uh, if I wanted to make a, a bunch of circles, I would use the offset for that. So I can cut one circle and say offset it by an inch. And then I can cut another one and another one. So you can start to make interesting patterns that way too. Right, right. Okay, cool. So um, that's... And it's super intuitive too to use. It's, mm -hmm. it's all from the top to the bottom of the what steps you have to take. Right, right. right. It's a start, stop button. Right. And that's it. It walks you, you through it. Can you reuse the tape? So once you remove it, it's not very reusable. Okay. Um, yeah, it's and it's not that cheap. I think it's, I think it's about twenty bucks for one hundred and fifty feet. Uh -huh. I don't know exactly off the top of my head. Right, right, right. Um, but that one hundred and fifty feet does go a long way, and the way you can reuse it is if you put it on. Uh, a jig that you're using, exactly. for instance, right. the engraving on top of a box. Right, right. Okay, that's a fantastic, um, yep. fantastic tool. And you said it's around three thousand now. It's around three thousand dollars now. Yep. And there's a a bunch of uh, different attachments you can get. There's a workstation for it, which it has that grid integrated into the station, so you don't have to worry about tape. And then has a way where you can clamp pieces uh, vertically, horizontally, uh -huh. you name it, and put different for, pieces in. That's for doing smaller things. For doing smaller things, or if you say you have a curved leg and you want to put uh, a mortise um, and tenon joint there, you could cut that in this jig because you can clamp it onto, it's got like a T track system on the side of it. Okay. And so it, it could reference. Uh, it's got a sliding rail and your surface and then a gap in there. So you can do um, cuts on planes that aren't flat. Okay. Or if you wanted to take, uh, a, make a box with dovetails, you can cut those dovetails where you wouldn't be able to reference the, uh, the end of the piece of wood with such a big machine. So you can go ahead, clamp it in, and you can cut your dovetails out of it. With a dovetail bit. With a dovetail bit, yes. Okay. All right. Well, that's really, really great. Thank you. You you just mentioned uh, you mentioned apple pie, which I had not heard about. I knew birch, Walter birch mm -hmm. pie, but um, apple is like is made from apple wood. No, it's uh, maple. Um, I don't know why it's called apple pie, um, but it's a really high end grade plywood. There's thirteen layers of veneers in there. Mm -hmm. So it's a super stable uh, piece of, of ply. Mm -hmm. um, it won't cup on you, uh, such as like the uh, CDX at a, a Home Depot or something like that. How is it compared to like a Baltic birch ply? So a Baltic birch, they tend to have thinner veneers on the exterior. This has a pretty hefty veneer, um, and it's doesn't tend to chip up as much as the Baltic birch. Mm -hmm. um, Baltic birch is great. I would totally use it for making cabinets, but um, I would say the apple pie is more of a furniture grade mm -hmm. uh, plywood. Or if you wanted to make um, jigs that will last a very long time, mm -hmm. apple pie is the way to go. It's not cheap. Um, it's super heavy. It's well over 100 pounds a sheet. 
uh, like a four by yeah. eight sheet. You mean four by eight sheet? Yep. Wow, wow, that's insane. Um, so, uh, and and where does where would one get Apple Ply? You can get it um, at hardwood lumber stores. Okay. Um, I you don't find it at your normal box stores like Home Depot no, or Lowe's. You don't. Um, but you, you have to special order it. Uh, no, not really. There's a couple places in the, the Bay Area where you can just go and pick it up. Um, it's it's pretty pretty common in the furniture world. Okay. Yeah. So you you don't have to go on a big scavenger hunt to try to find okay. it. Okay. Interesting. Um, well, thanks. This is really, really great. So, so Asa, do you have um, something you want to share with the f- audience here? If you have something you're working on, something that you want them to know about, something that oh, I'm, uh, I'm currently on paternity leave. I have a, a 10 month old daughter. So uh, I've taken a couple weeks off to be able to spend some time with her. Uh, but when I get back into the shop, I've got a Japanese-inspired uh, bench, outdoor bench that I'm going to be making, huh? which uh, I'm pretty excited about. Um, it's got a, a bunch of traditional joinery, and given it's going to be an outdoor bench, it's also going up to Seattle, so you have a lot of weather change mm-hmm. um, and moisture. So it's going to be a fun build to be able to make it uh, – make it so it can move appropriately with the changes of season being outside. What kind of wood would you make it for an outside bench like that? So for an outside bench, um, mahogany is a great choice, uh, super dense. Um, and it holds up to weather, uh, wait, not mahogany, sorry. Teak, super dense, holds up to weather. Um, so that that would be my first one. Uh, cedar is another option, but it's it's not very durable. Um, so for this particular one, I'll be using teak. Right. Yeah. yeah. Teak is what they make ship decks often out of, if I recall. Yep. yep. It's super dense. It's very oily. So uh, before you glue your joints together. Uh, tend to wipe it off with a little bit of denatured alcohol to remove some of the surface oils. Uh-huh. Cool. Um, but that helps with, uh, with the weather as well. Right. Right. Well, great. This is really wonderful. Um, thank you for taking time. I really appreciate it. I, I, I know we could probably go on for hours with all the other things that you have in your shop that we probably don't know about, but maybe we'll come back again maybe. in the future. I appreciate your, your time and sharing with us. It's great talking to you. Thank you. This year, our Cool Tools blog will be 20 years old, which means we've been posting something new every day for 20 years. It's only possible because of the very engaged and knowledgeable readers and listeners like yourself. You've kept this place going, and we are very grateful for you. With this idea of 20 years in mind, um, we decided to try an experiment this year and I'm inviting our guests and listeners to join me on our Cool Tool Show and Tell, which is the program that you're listening to right now. So if you feel you'd make a good guest on this podcast and have four uncommon tools 
that you'd like to share with us, um, please sign up on our form on the website and we'll see about inviting you. You must be comfortable taking all, talking on a video and um, you need to have some tools that you can show. Um, we record on, as you know, on Zoom. We do a YouTube version, a visual video version of it, as well as an audible version. Fill out the form if you're interested and um, list your four, four cool tools and we'll see if there's a good fit. The applications aren't guaranteed in any way. Um, and we're looking at tools that are new to us and appropriate tools and um, whether the times will work for you. So um, we're really interested in hearing from people all over the world, not just in the U.S., although the tools have to be available online, easily available online. And um, if you are a longtime listener, you kind of know what the definition of our tools are. They're very broad. They can be anything that's handy, from something in the kitchen to something used to travel to a workshop to something professional that we may not know about. We're really interested in things that we don't know anything about. So um, this is an open invitation. We'll give it a try. If you think you make a good guess for this podcast, um, fill out the form. There'll be a link somewhere on our website. Um, and we look forward to, to chatting with you. Thank you.